0: Glad you're in the Lord's house today to uh, meet together, to fellowship, to see Him, uh, to worship Him, and and now to listen to Him. I pray that you would do just that today in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians is where we will be this morning. Uh, I want to ask you a question while you're looking that up. How many of you uh, pray the Lord's Prayer? Uh, You don't have to show your hand. I just want to bring that to your attention. The Lord's Prayer. We. We call it that. Um, I believe the Lord's prayer is found in John 17, uh, where he prayed for us. But we often refer to the Lord's prayer found in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus taught us how to pray. And a lot of times we quote the Lord's prayer. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, There's nothing wrong with uh, speaking those words in prayer. But his intent there was not that you would repeat the words necessarily, but he gave us an example of how to pray. There's two parts to the Lord's Prayer. Part number one is dealing with the Father, the kingdom, and his will. The second part to that prayer is dealing with your needs, spiritually, relationships, And physical needs. What happens most of the time in prayer, the Lord's prayer starts off with the Lord, you and I praying about his glory and about his kingdom. Then it goes into our needs, falling into second place. What happens typically when you and I pray, however, is we reverse that order And you and I pray for our needs first. I'm not trying to shame you in any way about the way that you pray. But I want you to understand that when he taught us the Lord's Prayer, it was about you and I serving Him. Therefore, we put God the Father in a proper place at the beginning of the prayer. We put His glory in a proper place at the beginning of a prayer. We put his kingdom in a proper place at the beginning of our prayers. Didn't Jesus say, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all of your needs will be added to you or come along with that. So I want you to think about that. Certainly the apostle Paul knew about that and he mentions prayers several times in these two books first in second thessalonians uh, but today I want to just look at one specific prayer and really it's about how you and i serve the lord you know it's something that seems to be forgotten in the church today that every believer is called into service every believer You don't get to debate that with God. You don't get to neglect that calling. It's in front of you. It is for you. It is to you to serve the Lord. That's how you glorify Him. That's how you uh, bring praise to Him is by serving Him. And so today I'm willing to assume that you are serving the Lord in some capacity in your life. And I'm going to just say this about the message, that I feel that maybe some of you want to serve God more efficiently. And so that's what today's text is about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's stand together and we'll read a couple of verses. Verse 11. Paul writes, to this end also we pray for you always that our God may count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power in order that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we do want your name to be lifted up in everything we do and say. Father, you receive the glory in our actions and in our words. Father, let us address you properly in that way from now on. Help us and remind us of that, God. And secondly, we ask you to deal with our needs today, Father. There's needs on every pew in this building. Every pew has a need. Father, I pray you look upon it and that you address it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Paul wrote and gave us this little two-verse description of a better way to serve the Lord. All right? Take note of it now. Be mindful of what he tells you. We're going to bring that out as we go through uh, this message. We need to serve God prayerfully out of a godly character. We need to serve God joyfully with God's power. And it's all done for God's glory. Okay? Now, some of you have forgotten that. Some of you forgot that you're called into service. At your salvation experience, the Holy Spirit met you. The Holy Spirit moved in to your heart. The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus. And in that moment, He gifted you. You can't say, honestly, as a Christian, that you don't have any gifts. Because you do. You were were given those at your salvation experience. You may not have discovered them yet. And that's not God's doing, that's yours that you haven't discovered them yet. But you've been gifted, and God wants you to put those gifts to use in His kingdom and in for His purposes. So with those gifts, this entire group here has been gifted by God to serve in His kingdom. He's placed you at Aaron Springs Baptist Church to serve in this church. But every pastor in every church across this globe knows the 2080 rule. 20% of the church does 80% of the work. And that's not what it should be. It should be 100% of the church doing 100% of the work. But we're all aware of that, and that's why I said some of you have forgotten that you are to be serving God. Some of you have put that aside for whatever reason you have in your life. you put that aside. Today I want to address that. How do I serve God More efficiently. Number one, all right, serve the Lord prayerfully. He tells us that in verse 11. To this end, we also pray for you always. You know, if you don't pray proceeding your service, then your service will fail. You must be connected with Him in prayer in order for your service to be effective. In order for you to be serving in the right capacity, in the right place, at the right time. You do not dream up the service to serve. God gives you the service. He just needs some hands and some feet to do it. And so He equips you for whatever reason or for whatever thing you like, but all of that equipping and all of that preparation and all of that Service must be preceded by prayer. How serious was Paul about praying? Well, let me just give you an example. In our book, Second Thessalonians, Paul mentions prayer in chapter 1, verse 3, chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, chapter 2, verse 13, chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, chapter 3, verse 5, and chapter 3, verse 16. If you go back in your Bible to the first... Thessalonian letter. Paul mentions prayer in chapter 1, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 13, chapter 3, verse 9 through 13, chapter 5, verse 17, chapter 5, verse 23, and chapter 5, verse 25. Is Paul serious about prayer? You better believe he's serious about prayer. Prayer must proceed your service, okay? Prayer that Paul mentions in these two letters is not for the relief of Pain or suffering that I'm experiencing. These people, the Thessalonians, were going through times that you and I have never even dreamed of. They were losing life. They were losing family. They were losing homes. They had been scattered about. They were being oppressed. They were being disgraced in public places because of their faith. And Paul writes to them, And prays for them not to be relieved of that persecution, but that that persecution would bring glory to Jesus. So when you pray, it's not about your relief that you need to be concerned about. The first part of the Lord's Prayer is about Him and His glory and His kingdom. That's the focus of our prayer. That's what we need to be praying about. It's for our growth. It's for the advancement of the kingdom. It's for the glory of God to be seen through the perseverance of the saints. God will be glorified as you and I suffer in this world. Why? Because we persevere and God gets the glory. Paul wrote in Philippians 1, 6, I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. So God is working in us. God is building confidence in us. Who builds the church? God builds the church, doesn't he? He told Peter. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Was it upon Peter he was going to build the church? No. It was upon the confession that Peter made about who Jesus is. That's where he builds the church. God's building the church. Who saves the lost? God saves the lost. God builds the church. God saves the lost. Who will make his kingdom come? God will make his kingdom come. You and I are simply asked to pray that it will happen. If God's going to build the church, if God's going to save the lost, if God's going to bring His kingdom, then Brother Clay, why do I need to pray if God's going to do all of that? Why do I need to pray if He's going to be a sovereign God and accomplish His will, whether I pray or not? That's the mystery, isn't it? That's the key. God wants you to join Him in His work. God wants you to be a part of that. God chose to build His church on the changed lives of believers. Amen. What brought you to church? What brought you to Christianity? What brought you to salvation? It was somebody that came and told you about it. Very few people that I could count on one hand have said in their testimony they came to Christ without any witness of someone else. Very few, but tens of hundreds of people that I know came to Christ because somebody told them about Christ. God builds His church. He chose to do it. It's His way. It's His plan To build his church upon the changed lives of people. God's kingdom will come because of the changed lives of people. God will save souls by the changed lives of people. He chose to do that. So you, as one of those, must be connected. Prayer does that connecting. God built it this way. He designed it this way. It is this way. You can't get around that. Prayer must precede your service. When we mix all of that together, what a beautiful picture God paints for us. You must, prayer is not you requesting. Prayer is you surrendering Prayer. Your prayer began in heaven. It was sent to your heart. You simply return it back to Him. Now He's connecting you to His work. Now He's connecting you to His kingdom. Now He's connecting you to that building of the church through service. You surrender to that. You surrender. You line up your life with God's will. You accomplish God's will. Psalms 90 verse 16. By the way, Moses wrote this Psalm 90. He said, Moses said, Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children and let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and do confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. God wants you to see the accomplishments that you do, accomplish. The accomplishments you accomplish. God wants you to see the evidence of the work you accomplish by showing you. By encouraging you. This is why Paul wrote to us here in our verse. That order, in order that Jesus may be glorified and you be glorified in Him. So... Number one, I must be a praying man in order to serve the Lord. Number two, I must be serving from a godly character. Look in verse 11 again. To this end, we also pray for you always that our God may count you worthy of your calling. Now there's a lot of times I'm not feeling worthy of being a pastor or being a Christian even. Sometimes in my behavior or my words or things that happen in my life where I allow them to happen. To what end, he says there in verse 11. To this end. We'll look up in verse 10. When he comes to, the, to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed. For our testimony to you was believed. To this end we pray. That you would serve God out of a godly character in your life. We don't serve God to be saved. We serve God because we are saved. And because of that service in God's kingdom, then you and I must have godly conduct. God's children don't do certain things. And they don't talk certain ways and they don't act certain ways. They act godly. They serve godly from a godly character. Let me read you a few verses, uh, and Paul emphasizes this. Philippians 1:27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Amen. Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Colossians 1 says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Here's one more. 1 Thessalonians 2, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into His own kingdom and His glory. Remember, I told you in the past, church, we don't become perfect when we become Christians, but the direction of our life is changed. And we are not striving for perfection, but a different direction in our life. That's what God wants from you that change of direction, that change of life, that you begin to glorify Him and you live in godly conduct towards Him, seeking to glorify the Lord. Now let me say this, if you are involved in a secret sin that no one else really knows about, I beg you, don't serve God. Here's why. For your sake, you have a secret sin and you try to serve the Lord, the devil will expose you. Amen. And your sin will come out. And you will disgrace the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay? So you've got a secret sin. Just close your ears to the rest of this service. God doesn't want you trying to serve if you're going to harbor that sin in you. Because the devil will expose it. And you will be called a hypocrite. And you will lead people away from him, not to him. Amen? Remember that. Deal with your sin. Live and operate and serve with a godly character that no one would have to doubt, that no one would have to wonder. Service flows from a worthy walk with Jesus Christ. Be a praying man. Without prayer, your service is hopeless. Be a man who lives a godly life because if you don't, you'll be exposed and you'll do more harm to the kingdom than you'll do good. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to show you how to be more effective in your service to God. Pray. Walk with Him. Number three, serve the Lord joyfully with His power. Look in verse 11 again this end, we also pray for you always that our God may count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness. All right? God wants you to be joyful in your service. Service is not uh, something that is begrudgingly a duty for you to accomplish. I've seen a lot of Christians who grudgingly serve the Lord. It's become a burden to them. We talked about this in Sunday. We brought this up in our class. Sometimes service becomes a burden for us. And we really don't want to do it. Let me, let me tell you something. God, what do you enjoy doing? God wants you to enjoy serving Him. So find something you enjoy and then do it. And you say, well, I don't really enjoy anything. Then, brother, I'll be praying for you because there's something you've got to enjoy. Amen. Right? There's something you've got to like doing. I'm not telling you that everything about serving God is joyful. Sometimes there's parts of it that bring difficulty. Sometimes there's people that will criticize you. They'll speak out against you because of the way you're serving the Lord. But if He's called you into that and He's accomplishing His will through you, don't let people criticism slow you down or back you up. Okay, it's going to happen. People criticize. Problems come. We don't have to enjoy every aspect of service. But the denominational factor of it is that we enjoy serving Him. Serve the Lord joyfully out of a godly conduct. Now, what do I do? Well, I told you, find something you enjoy and try it with the Lord's leadership. If it's what He wants you to do, it will work for you, and you will enjoy that. But every one of you in this room has been called to serve Him in some capacity in His kingdom. Now, the things that God wants you to do, He's already prepared for you. Alright, you don't have to think about what God is going to do for you. You don't have to dream up the plan. You don't have to come up with a plan. Here's what the Bible says to us in Ephesians. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus us. Good works. Who creates the good works? It says at the end of that, for God foresaw and created these works for us to walk in. I didn't quote that exactly, but that's the end of it. God wanted these works accomplished beforehand, and now He's put you in there to accomplish them. You don't have to think of things to do. God's thought of all of that. He just needs some hands and some feet. Are you serving the Lord? Prayerfully, are you serving Him out of a godly conduct? Are you serving Him with joy because of God's power? Let me say this, at the salvation experience, your sudden desires were changed. And you received God's desires as your own. And your life was transformed and you became a new person and you were born again. And now God has put this in front of you to accomplish A lot of it is our attitude. If I have a bad attitude, then I won't accomplish anything, and I certainly won't enjoy all things that God gives me to do. You might grow weary in serving God. Why? Why do people grow weary in serving the Lord? I'll tell you why. Because you're doing it on your own strength. You're trying to do it. You can't. You can't accomplish it on your own strength. It's too much. It's too spiritual, it's too hard. God is the one accomplishing it through you. Here's what he says in Philippians chapter 2. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That work in you God who gives you the will to do it God who gives you the power to do it God you're growing weary of serving it's because you're doing it on your own and you'll never keep it up it's impossible for a human being to keep up spiritual service It's not supposed to be that way. God empowers us. God supplies. God will do it. That's why Paul wrote to us here. He said that we would count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. That God's power would be in you to accomplish that faith. Genuine faith results in good works. Okay? Genuine faith results in serving God. God. You're sitting in the pew today and you're not serving God. I don't know why you quit. I don't know what's going on in your life but I know this that God wants you to get that in the game. He wants you to serve in his kingdom in some capacity. He's gifted you for that. He's equipped you to do it. And right now this church is beginning to open up again and we need you okay we need you to serve this is what god is preaching to you today not brother clay it's coming right from his word amen faith then is relying upon god god works in us and through us colossians 1 29 says this and for this purpose also i labor striving according to his power which works mightily in me Paul wrote that, and he knew all about it. Pray hard, brother, and row for shore. That's what we are called to do in the kingdom. Sometimes we feel inadequate. Sometimes we don't feel up to it. Sometimes we don't feel like we know enough. And that's typically because you're relying on yourself. Faith relies upon God. Only God is adequate. Pray. Pray. To serve Him. Connect with Him. You you need to live a godly life with godly character to serve the Lord. Serve Him joyfully because serving Him is a joy. It is a delight. It is not a burden. If it's a burden, it's because you're accomplishing it on your own strength. Think about that. The last point I want you to see is this. We serve the Lord for His glory. And according to His grace. Look in verse 12. In order that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. And you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This verse looks at our motive for serving. Why do I serve? What's my aim in serving the Lord? The Bible says, I need to have the aim of glorifying His name. Alright, what does that mean, His name? His name is equal to His character. His name is equal to all the attributes of God. How do I glorify God? I bolster Him up in front of people to show how good He is. Because He is good. Amen? I brag about Him In front of people. Because he is good. Because he is compassionate. Because he is loving. And kind. And forgiving. I bolster him in my life. I put him above. I want everybody to see that. Do I always accomplish that personally? No. But that's my aim. That needs to be our aim. We serve him to lift him. So that the world will look to him. Right? I always wonder why Jesus said, You are the light of the world. Let your light shine so that men will see your good works. Okay? But they see my good works and then, he says, And then they will glorify God who is in heaven. They see you doing it, but he gets the glory. That is our aim. That is our goal. You might be serving today because you want public affirmation. You want to be recognized. You want to be noticed. You want people to think highly of you so you serve in the church. Remember Jesus said that when you give, give in secret. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. You give in secret because, he said, the father who sees in secret will take notice and he will bless you. So if you're serving for affirmation or you're serving for recognition, then you are receiving your reward right now. That's all you're going to get is affirmation and recognition by men. You see, we don't serve truthfully for that reason We serve to glorify Him. That takes humility, doesn't it? That takes stepping back out of the way. That takes stepping back out of the picture and letting Jesus Christ receive the glory. Maybe you're serving because of guilt. I read a story about a pastor who was going to marry a young couple in his church, but they wanted to use another church building. Okay, he said, so he goes down to meet the pastor of the other church building where the ceremony is going to be held. And they have a policy there that the pastor there must be involved in the ceremony. So the two of them sit down to meet and talk in this pastor's office. And as this pastor who's going to marry them is speaking to the pastor behind his desk, the pastor behind the desk lights up a cigarette. And then the pastor from the other church notices there's a big ashtray on this table full of cigarette butts and he sees that and he says, hey, have you been pastoring uh, your whole life? And he said, nope, uh, just about two or three years now. Ah, okay. Uh, what, what led you into the ministry? He said, I couldn't live with myself. In other words, the guilt of his life he was going to cover his tracks by becoming a pastor. Wow, what a reason to serve the Lord. The guilt. If you're serving God because you feel guilty, guilt never comes from God. Guilt comes from the devil. Okay, God encourages you. The devil wants you to feel guilty. So that pastor is serving God in a church as a pastor because of his past life and he's trying to cover his tracks by being a servant of God. Which he really isn't doing a very good job of that. Amen? Don't serve God because of your guilt. Don't serve God for recognition. Some of you want to serve God to be accepted by God. If I do this in the church, then God will be pleased and he'll accept me. Listen. You don't serve because you want to be accepted. You serve because He accepted you already. You're already accepted. You don't have to earn that acceptance. When you surrendered your heart to Him and you became a believer in His death, burial, and resurrection, you were accepted by God. Now you serve Him because of that. Serve Him prayerfully. Serve Him with a godly character. Serve Him with joy and serve Him for His glory. That is the key to an efficient type of service. We do not uh, deserve to be serving the Most High God. We do not deserve that, do we? But He made you worthy He made you worthy to serve Him by His death and His blood covering your sin. He made you worthy to do that. Now He's calling you into that. We serve Him because He made us worthy. If you come to this church, by the way, and you are looking to see what this church can do for you, you will find a lot of things wrong with this church because you're looking for what the church can do for you. That is nowhere in Scripture. If you're coming to this church because of the music, you're coming for the wrong reason. If you're coming to this church because of the Sunday school, you're coming for the wrong reason. If you're coming to this church because of the preaching, you're coming for the wrong reason. You don't come here to get from here. You come here to serve here. You come here to say, what can I do there? What can I do in that church? How can I serve God in that church? That's why believers go to church. Yeah, we need to be fed. I'm not debating or disputing that. We need to be able to worship, and we need a worship. We need education in the Sunday school. Yes, we need all of those things. But don't come looking for that. Come looking for a place to serve God. God, if you do come looking for what you can get, you have reversed the Lord's prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Oh, and by the way, God, may you be glorified. Don't put yourself in front of God. That's another reason sometimes we don't serve. It's because we put ourselves in front. Do that. Let him be lifted up. Let him be glorified in your life. Because we're saved. Believers serve because they love him. What a simple saving service can be. By praying, living godly, being joyful and lifting up the name of Jesus and you will be more efficient in your service. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for today in your word. Lord, I pray that you would instill it in all of our hearts to serve you, to come out of our seat, to grab what you put in front of us, to accomplish it, knowing that you will be lifted up, that men will see you because of what we do. Why you designed it like that, God, we may never know, but you have. And Father, I know that unfortunately we, we serve you in one capacity or another. Whether we're leading men to you or away from you. And I pray that my life would be such that I would lead men to you. Lord, I believe personally that we're at the end of time as men know it. I see great changes on the horizon. I see things changing I see your kingdom coming I know there's people right in this room right now that don't know you they know about you they know all the stories they know all the words but they don't know you and today Lord I pray that you would change that and that your will would be done And we would see your name lifted up in this place right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.